0: Unruly, swear, um, or all of the above, Finnmar Rogers. <laughs> have to pay a fine. So, Finn was fined last week um, because he, he was in our mock debate and he was representing Sinn Fein. Now, for those of you who don't know Finnmar, um, it was it was all of those obs- obs- obscenities and swearing and everything else. So, he was fined this bottle of red, red, red and whoever yeah. whoever gets first
1: can have it. So, um, I would like to ask Robbie. that point. Yes? If this is the last debate of this uh, session, does that mean that there's no penalty for swearing in this one? Yes.
0: (laughs) I like the chance in your arm, but no, that's not true. (laughs) Goes for audience members as well. Okay, um, but yes. So, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. And uh, I would like to ask Robbie to read the minutes of the mock election debate that I just talked about.
2: Good evening, one and all, hope you Well, The Northern Ireland legis- Legislative Assembly
3: election debate took place on the Liquor on the 5th of May and was attended by 27 members. For the evening, each honorable speaker took up the reins of the respective party leaders of their chosen party. Representing the DUP was Michael Arlene Beals. <laughs> Mr. Beals started strongly with the party's A material. Catholic schools are promoting harmful ideals, Republicans are smuggling fuel across the border, and all wildlife is a result of God's wonderful and benevolent creation. <laughs> he went on to say that abortion would remain illegal, and the very idea that a woman should have autonomy over her own body is insult not just to God, but to Ian Paisley himself. That we should leave the EU to stop the invasion of those pesky ethnics and that his party's election anthem would be share a classic, Turn Back Time. <laughs> Representing the Ulster Unionist party was Ryan Mike Neal. In true UUP fashion, he lambasted Stormont as a whole, and insisted that things needed to change, without revealing any plans for change. He claimed that he must increase university fees to ensure a sense of hope, togetherness and Britishness, chose the imperial march as his campaign theme, and blamed malignant republicanism for why bad things happen to good people. Representing the Alliance Party initially was Mr. Kieran David Gallagher. He began by espousing the usual Alliance Party line, saying that Belfast is a reeking hellhole and warning that the country's threat level was flashing a mighty
4: beige alert.
3: However, on the question of the EU, Mr. Gallagher shocked the House by turning his back on the Alliance Party and announcing his candidacy for the United Kingdom Independence Party. <laughs> It was at this point that Mr. Gallagher announced long live the British Empire and claimed the Iron throne was located in Brussels. <laughs> Representing the there was Mr. Johnny Jim Finley. Mr. Finley blamed the loony left for the poor quality of catering available that evening, lampooned the fact that we can't even afford a colour photo of our match, and blamed the mysterious rash on his leg on Sinn Fein IRA. He concluded by saying that to ensure the membership of his party from now to the future, he vehemently opposed education in all (coughs)
2: forms.
3: (coughs) Representing Sinn Féin was Mr. Finbar Jerry Rogers. He claimed that there was only one union that benefits Northern Ireland, and it is not with Westminster. If you wish to experience a summary of the rest of Mr. Rogers' speech, simply immerse your head in cold water, back down hard (laughs) on your own armrest, and ask your neighbour to furnish you with the sweet release of death. (laughs) was Mr. Chris Colm Spratt. Mr. Spratt revealed that he was the only member of the panel who could fight for gender equality, as in his time he had known many women and knew what they wanted. Mr. Spratt's tireless speech reflected the high-octane nature of SDLP policy. He concluded by stating that if he, would, he would marry the EU if he could, and his party's campaign theme would be My Perfect Cousin by the Undertones. Because why not? Concluding this fruitful and productive panel discussion was Mr Owen Stephen Mulholland representing the Green Party. Mr Mulholland opened with a hashtag makes you think point by declaring that if men could get pregnant, abortion would have been made legal years ago. He declared that we should stay in the EU, that the Iron Throne should be made out of compost, and we should replace our country's flag with a beetroot. Vote drink <laughs> <break. laughs> After the debate, the House was given the unenviable task of voting for whom they believe represented their party to the fullest. The vote went as follows. DUP, zero. UUP, zero. Alliance, forward slash UKIP, two. Sinn Féin, two. Green, three. TUV, five. And the Social Democratic and Labour Party, 14. May I have Thank you, <laughs> Thank you very much for that. And uh, I think all you
0: will see white fish fine last week. Um, <laughs> now we're on the, uh, just a few announcements. Uh, so firstly, we have our internal meeting is going to be held on Saturday the 4th of June. Now this is a chance for, if you can attend that, this is, please, it's Finn, Got another, another <laughs> fine <someone>. coming. <laughs> um, and you might see that if you attend the internal meeting on the 4th of June, uh, which the arrangements are yet to be made, but keep an eye on Facebook. Internal meeting is, um, it happens twice a year and it's where we... Decide the debates for next semester. So, if you are back at uni or you're somewhere of higher in Belfast and uh, want to come to debates in September to December, please submit your uh, any any sort of motions that you would like, any topics that you would like. Even if you don't have any specific wording of the motion, just message one of us or write on Facebook or there's a, there's a spreadsheet online and there's so many ways that there's no reason for you not to have them, not to have your motion suggested. So please do suggest some good motions so we can have a great term for our next year. Um, apart from that, uh, we have our EU debate. Again, um, I think it's the May 10th of June, so it's sort of Brexit, or as a has has uh, renamed it the GBRNI exit <laughs> debate. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's the 10th of June, but keep an eye on Facebook uh, for those arrangements. Apart from that, as it is the last debate of the 116th uh, session, I would just like to... Uh, Welcome our new council, which will be headed by Ben Murphy. Just so everyone's applause. Okay, that's Ben. He's your new president next year. Um, so this robe and um, bell will be handed for him. Uh, Robbie Whitehurst is in the secretary's seat, and he will remain there for next for next year. So. Uh... And our treasurer is Mr. Jeremy Mueller. who <laughs> Um, our Miss Lily Better, she's our internal convener, will be handling the internal meeting um, on, June, on June 4th. She's not here, but we can give her a round of applause at the section. sitting third proposition is Mr Andrew Hanneman, who will be external convener um, next year. Not exactly me. <laughs> Um, and Mr. Andrew Dillon, who I hope is wearing his headphones around his neck. No, he's not, Hi. he normally is. Yeah. That's how you know i He will be our outreach officer next year and he will be convening our school's competitions. Um, and Mr. Peter Dunn, can I see him walking Yes, he's in the back of the floor. He is our second year representative for next year. And Dr. Craig Miller, to get him a strong title, is over there and he will be our open representative for next year. <laughs>
3: He started! <laughs>
0: <laughs> and there you have it, the uh, mood in the room. <laughs> but yes, no, uh, welcome to the new council and... Oh, sorry! Oh my goodness! Oh, sorry, I not uh, The tech officer! Woo! <laughs> I should have known by the microphone sitting so right in front of me. Um, yes, Chris Pratt is our tech officer for next year, and he will be recording all of next year. So uh, they're, yeah, they're going to do a fantastic job, and if you're in Belfast, um, even if, if you've graduated and you're just sort a time around, come along, they're deep in set up you know where they are. Um, and on from that, I believe we're on to, yes, private member's business. So this is a chance for you to bring up maybe a topic in the news that you've seen, any sort of mini debates that you'd like to have, any comments on anything? Come on, it's the last case. Somebody's going
5: to be interested in the news. I'm cheering you This is the president's question. Private
0: of members business? Uh, near enough.
5: Would um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you kindly ask the House as if they've managed to uh, vote in the union referendum today, as they have happened now and have an to do so? Oh,
0: taking a little bit of time for us for business. <laughs> can, we, can we vote on that? Like, can we vote on whether I can ask the House? stud?
1: Yes. Oh. I have a vote on whether you can ask first? Yeah, yes. okay,
0: yeah. Does anyone else want to want to be asked that question? No. Yeah,
1: there
0: we go. Oh, okay.
6: I'm sorry, you have some second to ask us whether we want to.
0: Okay, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> can we have a vote on whether you want to be asked whether <laughs> you have voted today? Uh, all those in favour say aye.
2: Aye. aye.
0: aye. Oh, and aye. all those against?
2: Aye.
0: Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. letter is as apathetic and mutual as normal. Any other points in the private members' business now that you've seen mine done? <laughs> yes, Chris
5: Brown. I would like to ask the House what they think of Northern Ireland becoming a real democracy. <laughs> <laughs> any comments on the
0: fact that Northern Ireland has now become a real democracy? <laughs> yes! <laughs> I would
5: say that in principle it's good, but when it actually happens. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, any other comments on that one? Yes.
7: Well, firstly, I'm happy old Jim is getting some more company on that side of the bench. <laughs> so, if anything, I hope this will help him calm down his recent activities.
0: Recent?
8: <laughs> <laughs>
0: any other comments on the fact that-
8: Johnny? Well, I would like to congratulate Northern Ireland on actually taking a step away from real democracy because we've had this coalition where everyone when people vote for gets to have the same government, doesn't work at all. Well. We need an
6: opposition,
0: that's bad. Okay. See, Johnny is sliding from last week on TV.
3: <laughs> yes, Dr. Miller. I was quite looking forward to the TV sitting
1: next to people before profit. <laughs> I'm worried now that the EU people have put themselves in the middle at that point. They have to. OK. Any, any response to that? Yes? We really wanted a democracy where the majority of people had voted for the DUP at the last election. And so I, it leads me to my main point. Give oligarchy a, a chance. <laughs> <laughs> the left- OK. We'll move on from that. <laughs> any other final, final pieces of private
0: member's business? No? Right. Okay, now we move on to your present questions. So this is your chance to ask me um, or any other member of council a question. Yes, Mr. Robert present. Madam
3: President, for the final time, what did you have for breakfast this morning? <laughs>
0: uh, I, I've been so sleep deprived. Literally, hummus and yes. at the back. Yes, genuinely I'm starving, so I'm going to, that's well, my microphone. My pres- microphone is <laughs> at
9: the back. <laughs> Sorry? Well, I did all that. <laughs>
6: I've no idea what you're saying. <laughs> in, you you yes, you uh, in the spirit of other leaders of the week, I would like to ask, excuse me. Like to ask uh, Madam President, no, yes, which members of the council she thinks are very rude, and which union
8: societies are fantastically corrupt?
2: <laughs> um,
0: I think this is more a conversation for the pub, as I'm allowed to, I have to be, um Neutral until later on this evening. Uh, so we speak to me a quarter to nine. <laughs> Any other, I'll say, final President's questions? No,
2: Grant, have Oh,
0: well, sit on a seat and you'll. Oh, yes. seat. That's great, I'm glad there's no seats. Carry on, Uh, my President, staying silent, this is your final meeting with your chair. Can you share with us your best, most favorite memory of your time here in the uh, <laughs> give me uh, two seconds so I are sit awkward silence. It yeah, doesn't bring a tear to all our eyes, uh, no, No, it doesn't bring a tear to my eyes? Okay. Uh, I mean, I've been here five years. Um, I'm really old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but,
2: oh. <laughs> um, fever- oh, okay. Well, there was that time that we uh, we had council
0: meetings outside. We were sitting in the botanic and sort of like discussing business and didn't get much done. Um, within the actual inner meetings, Oh, there was, okay, we had a debate, um, I think it was animal testing, and I can't remember who the lecturer was, but we invited Jordan's time, um, or sorry, University of Ulster and um, to come down and speak, and it was so awkward that the lecturer stood up for no reason and slated University of Ulster for like an uncomfortable period of time, and with, the room was like, like, everybody, and Ulster were sort of sitting there like, okay, um, well, that's not relevant to animal testing. So, yeah, that was kind of That'll do, because I can't remember. See me at 8 45 and I'll I'll start crying and remember everything else. Um, Okay, so aside from that, uh we are going to move on to tonight's debate, which we've all been waiting for. Um so the motion is this House believes raising children with religion is child abuse. Um so before I start going over the the rules very quickly, um just like I said, okay, we normally have no party politics, no religious polemic. We obviously can't avoid that in this debate. Um, so I would just like to remind Michelle, speakers, and the house um, to just be nice and polite and respectful, and treat them, you know, as your mother, like as you would your mother. Just be nice. <laughs> yeah. Be nice. Okay. So, quick words, quick words. Um, so seven minutes, which is first and last minute, are protected, um, which you will hear by the sound of me ringing this bell awkwardly. And um, you can't ask questions in the first or the last minute of the debate. If you would like to ask questions in the middle of five minutes, please stand up and raise your hand and say, i the point sir, I'll oh, appoint okay, ma'am, and it's up to the speaker to accept or reject your question. Um, apart from that, we'll also have questions and answers at the end, and please, if, sorry, if you make a point of information, uh, someone leave it at a bit of time before somebody else asks the next one, or we ask another point, just to sort of give the speaker a bit of time to say their speech and have their point across. So I think that's about it for this week of oh, final time. Okay. I'd like to welcome our first speaker for the proposition, Mr. Jamie McBurney. Can
2: I just go ahead, yeah? yeah? Yeah. Okay. No problem. So,
7: um, hi everyone. Thanks for uh, coming. I just want to start off tonight's debate by making it clear what we're not trying to do. We're not trying to ban religion. You should be free to believe as you like, no matter how sensible or ridiculous Um, I or anyone else might think it is. We're also not trying to ban the academic teaching of religion, and as a a matter of fact, I would encourage it, because much of cultural development, literature, and art require an understanding of many forms of uh, mythology. On the other side of the table, we should also not hear arguments uh, that religion is good for children, or that instills life lessons, or so forth. Because these are not defenses against whether or not it abuses children. By way of comparison, a paedophile priest can't announce in court that the orphanages he ran, or the moral guidance he supplied to children, means he did not abuse them. Good works are not a defense of abuse, whether it's a person or a religion. This whitewashing would be a disgusting tactic, which simply ignores the accusations of abuse. So what is emotion? We on this side believe that raising children with religion is child abuse. That is to say, using religion to raise a child is abusive. The NSPCC defined child abuse as any action by another person that causes significant harm to a child. It can be physical, sexual, or emotional. It can just as often be about a lack of love, care, and attention. So we can see that abuse can take many forms. It can also vary in severity. What we will show is that raising children with dogmatic beliefs and indoctrinating them is abusive, that many religious practices children are forced to take part in are abusive, and the position of religious authorities often allows them to abuse children with impunity. The other side is a rather arduous task to show how each of these things are not abusive. I'd like to start by then to find a common thread within most, if not all, religions. And that's what I refer to as a carbon spec mentality, which requires your obedience in the only life we can be sure we do live. This one. This is in exchange for unquestioning faith or risk suffering some ghastly consequence. Your mind probably jumps to ideas of heaven and hell as a cartoon stick. But not all faiths contain these. Some contain reincarnation. But even with this, punishment and reward remain, perhaps waking in the next life as a worm, or a lion, or a <laughs> So. I'd like, to, I'd like to start by identifying, or sorry, I dare say in this room you're most familiar with the ideas of hell, so let's examine this and what children are actually taught. There's a, there's a lovely little book written by evangelical Christians called The Cage, A Young Children's Guide to Biblical Teaching of Hell. It's aimed at five to nine-year-olds, and it outlines the Christian theology better than, than I ever could, and it uses catchy little rhymes too to make sure your child won't forget it. One of them goes like this. And when the time passes, the chain will soon break and plunge me below to a horrible fate. I am born in big sin. In this cage, don't you see? Unless I am saved, I will never be free. In other words, yeah?
6: Is this just one particular instance of religion, or is this inherent to all religions Anytime time should ever all be other?
7: I think um, if you look at many, many different religions, as I said before, it's within all of them. I, I, I would be very hard pressed to think of many religions that didn't have, a, have this stick mentality. So sorry, on that point, in, in other words, you little child are going to burn in hell unless you're saved. Salvation or damnation, turn or burn. Some have the audacity to call this a choice. You're literally holding an eternity of hell to a child's head unless they agree with you. This isn't a choice, it's coercion. Well, this is fair. bread and butter, sorry. This is bread and butter indoctrination. It is inseparable from religion. It is also child abuse. And is there even a slightest shred of evidence that any of these religious current realities actually exist? No, it just says so in your boy books. We have to have faith or trust that it's true. Well, I'm sorry, that's just not good enough. To teach us the of divine unalterable truth is horrendous. It would be bad enough if we were merely talking about metaphors, heaven and hell, but we are not. Bundled with this indoctrination comes all sorts of dogmas. For example, anyone can look at a newborn child and see beauty, potential, and wonder, see the joy in parents' eyes, and the happiness this brings to families. Religion, however, this. It forces people to genuinely consider the idea that newborns are laden with original sin, that they're filthy creatures in need of redemption. On that point, sir, yes. You're talking about
0: one religion. No, I, I'm mm-hmm. let's, this, started,
7: it, I'm coming on to so next Islam and Judaism, <laughs> on your point really, not to be outgunned must go one step further and show their devotion to the Almighty by hacking away at the generals of these innocent bundles, with complications ranging from loss of sensation, bleeding, infection, and death. Re- sorry, I have my time. Raising a child with religion is a All of this is often before the child even reaches its first year, and only one of many problems in relation to things such as homosexuality, child marriage, child health care, the list goes on and on. The only excuse that can be offered by the religious is it is acceptable for them to preach and practice this wickedness on children to save them in the long run, which, oddly enough, is the same excuse given for beating children in the past. Is it not true that the writings of the prophets, as the Jews call it, or Proverbs, as it's referred to by the Christians, says, if you punish them with the rod, they will not die. Punish them with the rod, and instead save them. You might as well say, you have a God-given right to these children indoctrinate our children in some way shape or form you might say. Well unlike religion, normal human love, compassion, reason and logic do not require the threats that religion so often supplies in abundance. Do I need to threaten a child or anyone else with a fiery eternity or paradise if they don't accept evolution or that the earth is round? Of course I don't. I can use experiments and show the results do I need to tell a child about heaven and hell to teach me about love, compassion, and morality? Again, of course not. It would cheapen these values, and it, if I did that, and it undermines morality. The only thing that issues these threats is religion, and it's because intimidation is one of its main means of spreading, particularly among the young. Please recognize this abuse for what it is, and vote with our side motion tonight. Thank you.
2: Okay, for his
0: uh, fantastic maiden speech, give him another round of applause. I would now like to welcome to First Opposition, another maiden speaker, Mr. Jack Gamble.
8: My girlfriend and I have a long-running joke that when I was young I had an operation to remove both my heart and my tear ducts. I mean, whatever film we want, if it's The Notebook, if it's Les Maze, and if it's even Schindler's List, I don't cry. I just don't get a motive. But I must confess that this week, as I was preparing and I'm watching a video of six-year-olds with big signs, gleefully shouting, God hates fives, there was something in me that was just tense. Was intensely unsettled. Raising children with religion be nothing short sure of child abuse. Well, that emotive leap to that conclusion is tragically flawed. It's tragically flawed because the proposition implies a false dichotomy, and it's flawed in its arrogant overstretching. Firstly, it is a it's a myth that only the religious indoctrinate. Jimmy definitely sidestepped this he asked the after question then didn't answer it. The perceived problem with raising children with religion. Is that it's an incredibly selfish act. You've biological play on your hands and you're moulding it into what you want. It's the best unfair because you deny the child to mould themselves, and at worst, it's cruel because you're poisoning their minds with the toxic filth of religion. <laughs> the proposition presents you with only two options. You can raise your child with religion or you can raise them without religion. You can raise them with religion to mould their minds without consent and within them the harden. Or you can raise them without religion and allow them to mold themselves. Two seconds, Andrew. But this is a call. Because it's embarrassingly obvious to everyone that all parents must mold their children. So instead of two categories, we just have one. We have those who indoctrinate. Some will do it with a holy book. Some will do it with a set of house rules. Some will do it with critical thinking principles that we should teach our children. But we
2: cannot escape
8: molding young
7: minds. On that one. Yes? Well, the first uh, first proposition outlined a specific tenet, that is, you obey this for, you know, unending peril. Mm. Surely that
10: differentiates it from something like political freedom, which is more so a political ideology than a religious one. There's distinction there. But I think we all do have a
8: worldly block set of beliefs that will influence practice that have our own con- commitments and our own Beliefs, which will affect how we do things, as we raise them up. We are initially saying, "What the scoop? This is bad. This is indefensible. This is really, really good." The cry also comes from that quarter that, "No, I'll, I'll definitely guide my child. I'll, I'll share my opinion. I'll engage in robust debate, but I'm not going to force my beliefs on him. It's, it's, simply not true. For one, your, your own value system will permeate throughout your family. You, you'll not be able to have one single meal." With like the instilled family culture pushing children towards accepting certain assumptions. The air they breathe will be the family culture. The way we do things in this house, it's not a neutral force and we shouldn't think it of one. In addition, children are clearly simply in enfleshed antennae. They pick up absolutely everything. They, whenever they, uh, they hear things, they can't help but bury them deep and later regurgitate them. I have to admit my skepticism when someone says that they'll take care not to push a child one way or the other, whether religious or irreligious. They'll simply ask questions and point them out. Really, though, when those bigoted, intolerant fundies are on the TV, you're just going to sit and look and not really say anything? No, there's going to be a grimace. You're not going to censor all your daily activities. And really, if you are so virtuous to do this, you're just not quick enough. Those flicker of emotions that you, you have to suppress a second later won't go unnoticed. Whether knowingly or unknowingly, we are passing on certain softness to our children. Types of people we should like, types of people we shouldn't like, those who should be revered as heroes and those who should be demeaned as villains. So the dichotomy the proposition implies just does not hold. It's madness to think that you can either raise your child religious or raise them neutral. You yeah. must indoctrinate. Secondly, sorry, chaps, I would argue that religious indoctrination, far from harming a child, is superior to non-religious indoctrination. Obviously, one example doesn't hold true for all religious upbringings. But since the proposition is a laughably overreaching statement, well, we might as well perform an isolated case study on evangelical Christianity. So take, for instance, the commands of Jesus. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. And these are admirable and virtuous commands. Now, Jesus is very comfortable coupling these statements with unpalatable moral truths and imperatives. Any honest reader of the New Testament must accept this or get on to it. But his commands are for not a sham, intolerant tolerance, but they're for a loving tolerance. <coughs> His father are to respect, and care for, and listen to those who disagree with them, but not to affirm every and any cause. Isn't this a beautiful vision? We raise children of both love and conviction. Children who
5: are both tough and tender. I'm hearing about the justification of religion and uh, defence that Parents naturally indoctrinate their children. However, what I'm not hearing is a denial that, as the first proposition brought up, that religion
6: causes physical and emotional distress to children.
8: That's a a fair point. But we must say that we bring our children up. We make moral judgments. We bring them up what we want right. We do indoctrinate, but we indoctrinate for love of them. And so take the nature of faith um, within Jesus' message he holds that the promise that with God's self-hostility can be diverted from those who have betrayed their creator and the single condition for this. is trust, not as Jimmy defines as some vague understanding of God there. It's trust that because he has died and rose again, that his word will hold true. And so any Christian parent knows that they can't force or coerce faith. In fact, it means they're much more concerned about non-coercion than their non-Christian Christian counterparts. Indoctrination is unavoidable, and to claim that the only religious should be charged is blatantly fallacious. As soon as we see this illusion, we must ask, what is best for our children? And I believe, and I think you should believe, the religious upbringing is best for children. Thank you.
0: The speech. Uh, so another round of applause for Jack. And continuing on for the proposition, we have
9: Miss Li Su. <laughs> Many thanks all for coming to the debate. I'm debating about religion here would be as interesting as controversial outside of the house is here tonight to claim that raising children with religion is child abuse. I have a softer approach of the motion, so be aware that we don't want to ban the religious education made by parents. And mainly, mainly, don't be offended because I'm going to tackle every single religion. No matter Muslim or Christians, all religions have common characteristics. When I saw the term child abuse, The first thing which came to my mind was pedophilia. Okay, it's a joke. Religious authority authority that the child has to wrap shoulder with and molest them. However, sexual abuse is an extreme case and the hurt of the problem is more insidious. It has been shown by many psychological studies that the childhood is an important period to build the adult you are in the future. The basis of a good education is to accept and help to develop the personality of your children, not to brainwash them. Some opponents of the motion could argue that the punishment inflicted for not believing in God and any other standard reason to punish a child is equal. However, a child is already able to decide what is true or not. It seems completely absurd to believe in a life after death divided into two areas, hell or heaven. <clears throat> How to access heaven? You have to be a good prayer. Confess your sins. For many regions, no sex before the marriage. For the children, don't eat candies. Later, for a teenager, don't drink alcohol and don't smoke. To sum much, don't enjoy your life. <laughs> <laughs> to accept the paradise. Not <laughs> <laughs> The paradise. How paradoxical! It admits that heaven and hell exist, which has not been scientifically proved so far. Of course, a human being changed during his life, and when he is an adult, the parents are supposed to have no longer authority upon their offspring. An adult has his own judgement and his freedom of belief. But I can observe that it considerably impacts the conviction of a human being, and as well as his social life. <clears throat> I'm French, and I'm okay. And France is a very secular state. I've been raised yes. by the, an atheist school, and I went to a light school, by atheist parents, and I went to a light school. Genuinely, I never really paid attention to the denomination of my classmates. Actually, even the ghost style was more important than our belief and it's not because French people are posh.
2: <laughs>
9: <laughs> I have Muslim, Catholic, Jewish friends who care that they read the Koran or the Bible, no one. But I can compare now with Northern Ireland. <clears throat> I've been told by natives that they went to Catholic or Protestant schools and never got mixed altogether until university. Religion creates segregation. Unlike what most of the religious advoca- religions advocate, love your neighbour, Raising a child with religion is teaching him a lot of sterile principle, but not tolerance. <clears throat> Northern Ireland is probably one of the worst examples of the bad effects on religion towards children in Western society. And then I'm not mentioning, for example, the Ku Klux in in United States. <clears throat> but it is even worse when it comes to the Middle East. Indeed, the women's rights are deeply violated by religions already during childhood with an extreme interpretation of the Koran and the Sharia later. The little girl is taught that she is inferior than men, dependent on them, and reduced as an object. It is true that before the age of poverty, the girls are not oblig- obligated to wear their scarf, but the religious education already oppressed them. <clears throat> Teaching religion has been mostly a matter of power uh, <clears throat> uh, rather than a matter of transmitting values. Throughout the centuries, from the Middle Ages with the religious crusades to the conflict between Israel and Palestine, religion has always been a matter of power. It creates war, terror and suffering. We have to take the problem from the roots <coughs> and start by not forcing a child to believe in any religion. I am not even an atheist, I am agnostic, meaning that I think it is impossible to prove the existence of any god, unlike its atheist who denied the existence of God. I don't believe in any religious doctrine. By stating that, I want to show that banning a religious indoctrination is not banning religion. The purpose of the motion is not to ban religious education, but maybe maybe only to transmit the best part of religion, the first. Okay, I can take the questions now. (laughs) Are you
6: seriously, seriously suggesting that every child raised with religion will necessarily become a bigot? A what? A bigot.
8: Not the person.
9: Um, no, no. It depends. You can like raise children with religion. It depends how. Like you can say, okay, we believe that, but you're free to don't believe it. No. Yes. Well, surely that was what first off's argument was that
7: there's it's not an dichotomy between teaches it and not. It's a scale. And you know, some might encourage them to adopt their own ideals, which they perceive as good, which is you recognize it's certainly part of it. But, but would you not say it's it's not
9: easy to put it into two boxes? I didn't put it into boxes. As you said, there is a large scale. But if I had to choose between being for or against the motion, I'd be for. There's no more questions. <laughs> <laughs> I can leave. Thank you.
10: And continuing for the opposition is Mr. Aaron Besant. Good uh, afternoon, everyone. Uh, well, first, what I'm going to do is elaborate on some of the proposition's points, particularly the points about you know, eternal damnation and hell. And then I'm going to go into a point about fictionalist points of morality and how religion can be used for the benefit of the child and why it isn't child use. Well first, the proposition like to point out that children are told from a young age that you know you have one choice believe in your daddy or suffer an eternal damnation. But that this meaning of eternal damnation does not mean that you burn in fire in Christone. That connotation was brought up early, early on and is most popularised by Dante Alighieri's Inferno. What it means to live in hell is merely a separation from God. That is not to say, that is not any form of, say, physical torture. It is a far different meaning for those who hold it if and those who don't. Well, now I'm going to get into the part about fictionalistic kinds of morality. It doesn't matter whether or no not... Point. No. Uh, it doesn't, the, the point about fictionalist morality is that even if there is no deity exists, or even if you know, we, are, we live in a secular world. When you raise a child, the best one of the best ways to do such is to teach them of stories. And these stories can teach them various forms of morality which will keep them affected throughout their life and give them good basis for making their decisions. On mm-hmm. Now, no, thank you. The best way to teach these stories is by, for instance, in the Bible, there are stories called parables. And what the parables are are, quote, unquote, Stories of heavenly meanings. Now what that means is these are stories which involve a dilemma and uh, the outcome of dilemma promotes a virtue. So for instance, in the farmer's son, you have the farmer's son who goes out and spends all his father's wealth without his father's dying. Uh, no thank you. Uh, he comes back and seeks redemption because he's realized what he's done is a huge mistake. Now these types of stories can be used to benefit the child because it provides a great basis for say early education in that regard. That no, point. no no thank you. Now one of the major concerns is I know the proposition have brought up allegations of say, you know there have been instances of institutionalised pedophilia, that is that is certainly known. My point is when you raise when you raise children with religion, we're talking about a family matter. I believe religion should be tied strictly to a personal one, and one that relates back to the family. When you really have organised religion, this is where the problem gets in the hands. But whenever it becomes a familial thing, it's. Yes. Sir. Yes. Sorry. Um, there
7: are many religions which are based around um, organisation. One example would be the Catholic Church, with the likes of the Pope as a head. There's many other Coptic um, Christians and other faiths with heads. So it, it's not just family
10: units? Yes, but what I mean is, whenever you raise a child with religion, the people who primarily do that are the, the parents, because the parents have an inherent, you know, motivation to educate their child in religion. Now, what's important to note about this is, you know, there's some sort of notion that children won't be indoctrinated if they live in a non-religious family, but that is false. Like, either way, you have to mold a child to have its beliefs, because children are very volatile from, say, the ages of 3 to upwards. That is when they develop their personality. And if you do not set a good example, then that will affect them for the rest of their life. Hi. No, thank you. And uh, this is where morality comes into it, really. If you teach a child the lessons of Jesus, or the lessons of your prophet, or of any other religion, then what you're doing is giving them stories which you can work off to better their understanding of life and make them hard decisions and moral dilemmas. I would much rather, for instance, in in, In the essence of Christianity, for instance, there are different virtues, such as humility, to be kind to others, and all these other virtues which are exonerated in that religion. Now, in other religions as well, this is the case, the whole point is to prove yourself as a better person. And I would much rather, in this, self, in this selfish and morally decaying society, that we now have this moral basis to work on. Because in the 21st century, we are decaying in, in our societal values and how we form people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um,
7: by what uh, justification are you using moral decay? with less crime, less less rape, less. Like, I, I don't understand where you're getting this moral
10: decay from. Okay. So when I refer to moral decay, I mean that because society as itself has become more affluent, yes. we have become less happy with ourselves. We have become less happy with the luxuries that we have. We can't. We don't care as much about our neighbours. We spend too much time, you know. Procrastinating, we've spent too much time focusing on gadgets and knickknacks which will have no use to us. Whenever in the Bible and in the we will learn about how respect for the family is important. On that respect for the yeah. thank you. No, far, respect no. for others no, is sorry. important. And it's a basis of how we can improve ourselves as a society because the purpose is, like in Northern Ireland in particular,
2: Yes, we have had a very dodgy past, but um, <laughs> that's, that's not, that's not
10: disagreeable. The point is that even during times such as the Troubles, Catholic and Protestant communities have never felt closer, and that's a fact. The two communities were close together in their religious beliefs. The whole idea of the Troubles was a political struggle. And I believe, like, raising a child through religious beliefs does not indoctrinate them to hate the other side or to hate other religions. The point is to follow Jesus' teachings and love my neighbor. And I believe that raising children with religion is not child abuse, but as a cure for this morally decaying society that we call them. Like,
0: final speaker for the proposition. Could you all just please be aware of your whisper whisper level um, while uh, people are speaking? So um, I'd now like to welcome the final member of the proposition, Mr. Andrew Hammond.
1: Right. I'd like to commend you all for attending what is proving to be the most Revealing debate and one which I've always wanted the opportunity to speak upon. I want to thank Jack for what was a very well delivered speech. But I will now put to rest the pervasive policy he has sold to you all in one sentence. He implied that an atheist grimacing to their children at a preacher pretending the cure of blind person with chloroform is influencing your child just as a as Christian grimacing at Albert Einstein is the same thing, but the imperative thing to understand is that influencing your child to be a humanist or agnostic atheist is not child abuse, but raising your child with religion is. I believe it is necessary to state in advance that offence is likely to be taken as is customary when the religious are faced with the truth. However, I no longer face execution at the stake for my heretic stance due to the efforts of many brave individuals that have sought the true interest of humanity in the past. Nice home.
2: Anyway,
1: let me tell you about my life story. I was born as all children are, an atheist. Contrary to- The sentiment that babies can be Christian or Muslim or whatever. This is the way we enter the world. However, at only not, not right now. At only a few months old, however, I was to be recruited into a cult by an old man in a dress. who <laughs> splash water on my forehead and declared being saved of original sin. This is the type of scam that makes religion so pervasive. You scare impressionable little children and just thinking they are born sinners and holy and impure, they need to be saved. If they submit to your particular set of beliefs, they shall be rewarded not now, but in the hereafter. And if they don't submit, you face an eternity of suffering. You're essentially created unwell, and incurably so, and then ordered to become well for fear of eternal torture and death. Uh-huh. You Yes. <laughs> I would like to say that Christian teaches that Self improvement actually heaven in that pursuit of perfection. You know, say that's better to better ourselves and make sure that we live a better life until we reach perfection after our death. Okay, um, uh, to respond to that, um, child abuse in terms of pedophilia, genocide that has happened over the years, the Crusades, the ISIS, whatever you have, uh, <laughs> the, the are not um, the pursuit of, of what was the word abuse, mm-hmm, sorry, um, but pursuit of whatever positive thing that we do. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> <Sure. laughs>
4: um, <laughs> you are told of this.
1: All- right? No, sorry. No, you're told of the all knowing and all powerful God that will strike you down if you call his name in vain. So all knowing is he that by this logic he knows if you're going to go to hell before he creates you. And he does anyway. But don't worry, God loves you unconditionally.
2: <laughs>
1: Growing up as a young child, I was made to read the Bible and have in fact read it from cover to cover. It is amazing that as young as I was, I saw it for what it was. These primitive stories of creation and God's maniacal genocide of almost everyone in the Old Testament. The intellectual defect, yes. <laughs>
5: I, I would like to hear less of an attack on religion and more of a highlighting of the abuse that it causes to children.
1: Well, you are going to get to that, but if I were to- Completely, I will have to um, take away my whole speech, so. An <laughs> <laughs> intellectually defective and plagiarized story of an ark built by an 800 year old man in the middle of a desert who summoned two of every living organism into it, including polar bears and lions that require completely different po- tides for their survival, and sailed above the highest mountains for an entire year while God drowned everyone for not being gullible enough to get into a floating zoo in the middle of a desert. <laughs> Why is, this child, why is this child abuse as um, Mrs. Spratt would have asked? Because of the fear that these stories indirectly and directly promulgates in impressionable children. I had nightmares about <laughs> being told that Jesus would come like a thief in the night in the second coming and one must act in accordance to his will so that we do not have to face eternal damnation. I would rather invest in a home security system. <laughs> love everyone except if they are gay or from a different religion or don't, or don't believe the world is 6,000 years old. But many children don't have the choice to leave. The punishment for apostasy, apostasy, for example, in Sharia law in Islam is death. Imagine how a child must feel to be told that and when it actually happens to them. It takes a very long time to decondition yourself from that guilt and fear, even having been resolutely agnostic from the time I was about 10 years old. I, for example, still find it incredibly difficult to wank on religious holidays. (laughs) of uh, masquerading red to the demon like Deadpool and bat-souls who are come into my room with, a, with horns and pitchfork and judge me. In fact, much of the story in the Abrahamic religion of outright child abuse, God appeared unto Abraham and said, Thou shalt kill your son, mate. No time to explain. Isaac, his son, up a mountain of a cinematic effect and lifts a knife to strike without it a question. And then God said unto Abraham, only joking me, (laughs) (laughs)
2: correct?
1: Isaac would have of severe PTSD. The most central story of Christianity outright challenges as well. God decides after 4,000 years, maybe the Jews are the chosen people after all, and decides to create the New Testament so that people can discriminate against Jews for all eternity. (laughs) The only way he figures this can be done is by sending his son down on a mission against the Romans. A suicide mission, actually, he makes a big deal of making sure that the person who is going to be pregnant is a virgin, since children must know that the sexuality of women must be repressed for all time. So, I mean, everyone can see what a loving and heavenly father this is. I mean, um, the message that this sends a child or a parent is absolutely ridiculous and should not be promulgated. I can go on to talk about all the religious child sexual abuse and all of that that has come about, but you all know these stories. For all of you who believe that indoctrinating children with religion is harmless and it just gives people comfort, I'd just like to bring your attention to almost every single war ever perpetrated, institutionalized pedophilia, systematic rape, genocide, slavery, forced conversion, and denying of basic rights to women. Gays, members of other faiths, members of the same faith that choose to say the Lord's praise like differently honorary, I don't have time to complete it. But this is a cancer that needs eradicating and it causes irreparable harm and religion forces in children, the divided and damaging society that it creates here in Northern Ireland and elsewhere and I have to side with the proposition. <laughs>
6: I think it's probably the funniest speech I've ever heard during my period. <laughs> uh, quite a shame it wasn't really relevant to the motion um, work. We, we got the idea also from the first proposition the speaker that basically the only use of religious studies is going to be because it helps us in understanding certain parts of culture and certain parts of art. But I have another suggestion for the Proposition-speaking team as a whole, that the use of religious studies can also be to acknowledge and to learn that religion is actually something that's very, very diverse and very, very complicated. And we think that team Proposition haven't grasped this diversity and complexity in this debate. what I'm going to do is three things. First of all, show you that all of the, most of the things that proposition has mentioned aren't actually things that are inherent to all religions, and that therefore raising a with religion per se is going to be harmful for those children. Second of all, that the things which they have proven are actually inherent to at least most religions aren't actually not so bad that they actually deserve the appetite. Child abuse, and we actually also think that this is crowding out other things of so child abuse and actually sort of diminuing the term and what child abuse should actually stand for and why this is harmful. And thirdly, I'm going to talk about why there's actually negative consequences involved with perceiving uh, raising a child with religion as child abuse and why these harms outweigh what they can say. Uh, I will take a quote of information. So we have a lot of talk about bigotry, about gentleness, relation, homosexuality, and other uh, uh, anti-homosexuality within the church and other things which we really from, And um, also, for example, the fact that, we, that religion teaches us that we shouldn't enjoy our lives. There are so many different religious groups, and there are so many groups that don't actually advocate any of all or all of these things, right? And we say, if, if, if we have a question to proposition, if there's a group, and there's, and there's plenty of those, if there's a religious group that doesn't actually teach any of those things, would you still consider it child abuse to raise them? They would probably say yes. But even more pervasive concepts, which they bring up, right? Original sin. There are Christian groups and even entire religions which don't even have a conception of original sin, so that's out of the question. And the eternity of hell, right? Two things on that. First of all, there are even religious groups. I've grown up in a religious group that even says, there is no such thing as hell, right? You go, there, there's been this guy. He has died on the cross. It will make sure that you will always go to heaven. might not necessarily be the best thing in actually preventing people from doing harmful things, but it also doesn't mean that they say people definitely go to hell or there's only heaven and hell. Second of all, there's so many things we can be scared of, right? Andrew was afraid of perhaps going to hell. Well, there's many. And because that is also sort of a punishment. I was scared of actually going for prison for something. I wasn't actually sure what I'd do, because I never would understand what all the laws in this country were. And we actually think that for a child who cannot even grasp the concept of eternity, right? Probably no one in this room actually can can even grasp what eternity is. That eternity wasn't really something different from a couple of years in the cell. I used to think that eternity was a number between 200 and 1,000 when (laughs) I was (laughs) there. indeed on this point that the how of how you raise children religion is probably more important than that and this is something we really standard. Second of all, the things which they have proven that actually are inherent to religion, right? That you have to dedicate yourself to God, and that you have a certain coercion to behave that morally, aren't actually that bad as what people come in and see as child right? I was, I grew up with religion, right? My parents uh, raised me oh, to be a Protestant awesome. kid, and when I was about 15 years old, I started doubting my religion, and I became an agnostic atheist, and suddenly I had all these questions, right? Because did my parents actually lie to me for 15 years of my life? What happened? what have? What have those 15 years been, what I've been doing in those 15 years um, of trying to fulfill religious moral duties, and now I I don't even know that there was a God, and had severe problems with actually losing my religion at this age. At the same time, about a year later, I had a friend who actually became Christian. He was raised in atheist he became a Christian. That friend had severe moral problems because he was thinking, well, for 16 years of my life, my parents have actually taken away my chance of becoming a dutiful Christian, right? He actually believed that, or Part of this believing was that for 16 years he hadn't actually been able to fulfill his Christian duties. What this shows is suitcase, right? First of all, we're always being indoctrinated, right? Even if they say you're not, even if you're raised in an atheist or any kind of way, you're being indoctrinated, right? There's probably no one in this room who hasn't been in some way, isn't in some way not being indoctrinated by free market capitalism, for example, right? Even up to this day. And it also shows that. Both ways are harmful, right? If, yes, it's harmful to you, use your religion when you're a teenager, it's also hard to get a religion and to lose your atheism when you're a teenager. And there's their moral and point. Um, Psychological questions that you're asking yourself. But these have no, this psychological damage, it's hard, yes, but it's nowhere near the psychological damage that is usually found in definitions of child abuse, right? Because what kind of psychological damage is that? It's the damage of being locked up in a room, it's the damage of being severely neglected, it's the damage of fearing physical violence, right? There's, so, there's such a big difference that we actually think that by calling this child abuse as well, you're actually taking away a lot of what child abuse is actually trying to meant. Trying to mean right, it's saying that if this is child abuse, then a lot of things can be child abuse, right? If you say that, for example, free market capitalism is very, very dangerous to a lot of people, it's ruined a lot of lives. If you're being indoctrinated or growing up in a free market capitalist society, yes, it's indoctrination, but doesn't mean that it therefore is necessarily as bad as child abuse. No, we also say that in this case, that's not. Yes, and we'll take a very short Q and A. Yeah, um, I just like to say that everyone, turn down. I'm um, uh,
2: saying prayer before being able to capitalism. You know, you know I'm going to church to... No, saying <laughs> prayer
6: is also not the only way you can be indoctrinated, right? I've never seen as many commercials. As for uh, Christianity. The last thing is that, as Jack has actually told you already, it's very impossible to isolate the child from the convictions of their parents. This also means that for a parent to actually never raise their child with any religion at all, it means that the parent should also refrain from all of their own religious practices. And this also creates a lot of moral dilemmas for those parents, right? Because what if this is actually a person who believes in hell and who believes that their child should be baptized in order to get to heaven, right? (coughs) What kind of parent would you be if you were not to baptize your child? What kind of parent would you be if you said, OK, well, I'm not going to baptize my child and run the risk that he's going to end up in hell? Right? There's just probably no parent who actually believes in this who would not do this because, it would be very harmful for them as well. We think this emotional harm should also be taken into consideration. Secondly, telling your children or telling children that they are just the victim of child abuse if they've been raised religiously, and saying that also it's your fault um, and for still believing in such a thing, <coughs> you basically stupid because religion is nothing more than child abuse, and you're still believing in it. It's very harmful because this is breaking bonds and trust relationships with the parents and the communities in which you grew we think that these are very, very severe harms actually telling people and believing that children are just victims of child abuse when they've been raised with religion. And we have also shown that all of the harms that they have shown are not actually necessarily inherent to religion. So for all of those reasons, we back you to the post. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, welcome to the
0: Final Series. <laughs> um, okay, so now I'm going to move on to questions. Uh, for those of you who haven't been here before or have been in the last three minutes, of a slightly different format, we're going to go to questions to the proposition, opposition, and then abstaining on the motion. So if you have your sort of opinion, you can say that in the abstention. Um, so uh, does anybody have any questions for the proposition? Yes, that's us go. Okay. Um,
6: we heard quite a bit. Uh, about fear, some quite lurid descriptions of hell, etc., making it clear that raising a child with fear of
8: a deterrent is abusive. Well, what about raising a child to know that if they break the law, they'll go prison, or if they do something against their moral
6: compass, and if they, do something, if they, do, something, if they do something against their own moral compass, they'll feel guilt? Morality is based on fear, it's based on fear of the There is no inherent morality in
1: your class. Prison is real, hell is not. And also, also that is, very, that is the essence of what I, I was also going to say. Hell, the thing about it is that we have laws now. We have laws that are designed to tell us what is justifiable for society and what is, un- uh, what is not justifiable. Religion is outdated and it basically is not a re- representation of what um, society has, has stood for for a very long time. So that is the reason why we are going to say that hell is, is an unjustified compar- comparison for a prison, which, you know, we have to follow laws, we have to police, the police you can be likened to God in that respect, Richard, but Okay. So, but but the police exist, person exists. Help <laughs> us not. So that is that is what we're
0: gonna argue. As always, the views of the individual speakers do not represent any views of the perfect as a whole. Um, do we have very much for that, Do we have any questions for the opposition? Please, gentlemen here. Yes.
1: Mr. Infernal Computer. Oh, Thank you. Um, um, so, just based on sort of the idea of yeah, Christianity, um, how do you feel about kids who have disabilities such as
2: dyslexia or something? Not only been forced to read a book. But, um, <laughs> even
1: in the Old and the New Testaments, sort we've of been given the idea that they have this because they are possessed by a demon, for instance. Sure. How, how is that not a
10: form of childhood? Okay. Also well, you have to understand that you can't take any good at face value, you know, the morality within the Bible is often context for the times that they're in. Like many would often call, you know, uh, Plato the follower of say philosophy of morality, but this is the same Plato that believes women can't think, you know. It, it because of medical advances, you know, that is the reason why things are different back now. Than they are back then and morality can change over time, but while many of the core tenets remain the same. Uh, you were talking about, say, you know, dyslexia and not reading the Bible, but you have to understand as well that the Bible was translated to English because of working class, you know, Protestants who wanted to actually <laughs> learn
2: well, learn what the Bible said, and you know, the whole point was that they
10: were able to read and write because of it, that was kind of the, the basis of it, but there are people that are willing to, you know, sort of expand on that, right? you know, it's not a case of if you can't read it, just ask someone, because that's the whole premise of how the current language is based on. Okay, thank you very uh, Do we have a brief... That
0: as well, Pardon?
10: The disclaimer should
1: be repeated for that one yes, as well. Yes,
0: okay, Um, all views of the individual speakers never... <laughs> <remember. laughs> um, do you have a brief
7: response from the proposition? of am sure you to Just on the point of Morality being contextual. This—that's that, an argument that just doesn't doesn't wash with me. Why was it the latest 2013, for example, talks about how you should stone homosexuals? Under what context is it acceptable to stone homosexuals? Anyone, please, please give no me a context. <laughs>
0: Thank you for your rhetorical question. <laughs> uh, okay. Do we have any abstaining on the motion? Any opinions? Any sort of that you don't think anybody's covered during the debate?
2: Oh, uh, Emily, yes. Um, I think on the opposition side, you talked either really broad, like religion is this concept and you can't put it down so you can't criticise it as a whole, or really small, like on an individual level, you're
0: going to hurt people personally. But you didn't really cover the middle ground, which is the institutionalised nature of religion, which is the majority of religion. Can you t- I'd say most of
6: the abuse would have come from. So, do you know results and how you would tackle that? Yeah, sure. I mean, if this is a motion that's talking about parents raising their children with religion. It's not. I mean, there there was some talk in uh, the, the first couple of speakers in the debate about the institute the institutions in religion. But I don't think it's really that relevant because if you're talking about raising a kid with any religion, whatever that may be, it's not. I mean, because indeed, as you say, the majority of religions have institutions in them. But there's definitely a lot of them that also don't. So it's not something that needs to be inherent in every religion. It's not something that isn't inherent in religion as it is. So to say that all, like all or to, um, raising a kid with any religion is going to be child abuse, because there are some religions which have an institution in which um, child abuse has happened. Um, mm-hmm. That's going to be a
0: flawed argument. Okay, thanks, Rach. I think that was was directly addressed to the opposition. Uh, So we'll go to another point of abstention. Does
4: anybody? Um,
0: Yes, Yes, Tara, you can't get a Nazi crocodile. Yes! Um, Okay, I don't
4: really know how... This affects the debate, and I don't really know which aspects to bring up. So I'm just going to tell you my own experience of religion while growing up. And so I went to a Catholic school, and uh, my parents didn't actually know it was Catholic school, so I was taught that I was a Catholic, etc. And then it turned out that my dad was Muslim and my mom was an atheist, which got really confusing when I was about eight years old when this all came out. So I was raised Catholic by school, and my, my parents were uh, divided in their views as to how I should be raised. Um, and I guess I just want to bring that about because you were bringing up like aspects that religion teaches love and compassion and etc. and life lessons. But I learned these things from many different ways and it wasn't even my parents that taught me religion. And um, so it's kind of how, how you bring that into it. And even the aspect that after all this came out when I was eight years old, that it created a lot of problems within my school for me. That's that everyone else was Catholic and I was not. And that's also an aspect of it as well, setting me up for bullying or taunting or being excluded from things. It's a very wide thing that I don't think he's really touched on. And does how
0: much it can affect a child when they're
4: growing up. Okay, Grash.
0: We'll
1: have one response from the proposition then Yes. Well, I sympathize with that because I also had a um, similar experience happen while well, my parents would have been from different religions. Well my dad was a Christian atheist and my mom was a, was, was Hindu. Um, so basically, you know, I've had I've had also a lot of different opinions coming at me from you know different directions and Yes, professing to a denominational school that you are of a religious faith is um, means and means for, for bullying, and that is one of the integral aspects that I believe that we should focus on as well. That people who are bullied because they are atheist sh- truly shows the divisive nature of religion. So um, I sympathize with you, and I thank you for that point. And I believe that if we do encourage our children to think for themselves and to teach tolerance and, and love, which are human values, not religious values, that we can eradicate this problem. Thank you. OK, thank you very
0: much. And we have a brief response from the opposition. Anybody take a look?
6: Well, I'm going to continue on being bullied. Um, like when I was about twelve, I was also being bullied because I was a Christian by atheists, right? So it doesn't automatically say that just because you're a race and atheist, or just because you have these values, it's going to make you automatically exempt from things like bullying, I think, from bad behavior. So, um, but I do indeed agree that. Um, more direction on your point, that just as bad um, parts aren't necessarily inherent to all religion, just the good parts also aren't necessarily inherent in religion. Right? It's something that is very fluid. And in some cases, the one emerges, and in some cases, the other emerges.
2: Oh, shall I respond? Okay? Mm? No? No, <laughs> not <laughs> But you can
0: in the bar afterwards. Um, OK, so we're going to go for one more round of questions. So prop up and then up, and, and abstaining, and then you can continue that in the bar. So do we have any questions for the proposition? And mm-hmm. um, oh, there's so many new people, it's Yes? I'd just like to ask where the proposition
6: gets their, um, their moral, morality values for, <laughs> for um, not their children. i just really to the fact that it's human values, but you know, we wouldn't say Joseph Fritzl had mm-hmm. love, and uh, um, having human values, that point actually doesn't really add up. Obviously then, it's probably attacked by saying, oh well, the Bible says to stone, get people to treat the Quran says to treat women really badly. That, I would not agree, is you taking, you kind of twisting what I would believe, but um, without you using that phrase, it's human values, to set morality, that doesn't really make sense. And actually, would you give any credit to the place of religion in in, um, uh, promoting love and Good
2: values
7: in the world, because I know we have
2: talked a lot about the wars, and actually has been no, nobody admitting that actually it
7: happened in a great place for religion in the world, and that has actually done good things for morality and teaching our kids. Yeah, I'd like to take you up on that offer. I think um, religion does provide a community in a lot of cases, but you fall into a trap which I initially laid out. That does not whitewash. The any child abuse, any good doesn't whitewash any child abuse. Also, human values. I wouldn't say that Joseph fritzl was a guy who was compassionate, had reason and logic, and this is what we need to base morality upon. Our altruistic nature. Like there's, um, if if you, if Sam Harris puts it, that um, religion gives people bad reasons to do good things. If you see a child starving, you don't need to, You don't need to think, oh, God told me to save that child. This is a good thing for me to do. You can think compassionately. If I was in that child's position, if that child was my son, my daughter, I should feed that child. So religion is a completely separate entity that has absconded these values, these very humanist, humanistic values, that we all share. Whether we're atheist, whether we're Christian, whether we're Muslim, whether we're whatever, we all share those same values. Can't we all just agree that those values are inherent in humanity? They're actually inherent in monkeys. You see monkeys can tell if they've been fed fairly or not. You see elephants, I'm sorry, no, I'll finish on this. You see elephants. Grieving over the death of the one other elephants in the fry, okay. <laughs> these these things are inherent in nature and inherent in humanity. Religion has absconded them.
0: Okay,
8: thank you very much. I think the issue is not so much that people don't deploy. Well, I think it's very creative. You know, I'm not sort of getting jittery here because somebody can whip up a machete and behead me. It's that there's no real basis in your, your line of thinking for objective morals. Okay,
1: thank you very much. Um do we have a question for the opposition? These three guys here. Yes. Um, I, I I I don't think that uh, that
6: was what happened. We can tonight to of the evidence. of all the witnesses to try and get away from
2: anyone here. Some of you know, a certain of and Dr. Greenwashing. If
10: you're a scaremonger involved in, in breaking your channel, up in, in any but, is there
8: uh, positives about the negatives? I think sometimes it's comparing apples and oranges. We're talking about faiths that believe in a life after death, and so to measure their work on temporal, hey, here's seven years, what's religion going to do for me? And to ignore their claims that there's a life beyond it. And so they, it plays out in that. So it, I think religion does a it benefit here now, but I do think that by nature the focus of them is on the life after death.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Um we'll have one final point of abstention before we move to a vote. So do we have anybody having spoken? Do you know what, Mr. Craig? Yeah. No, yeah. going to uh, uh, I wanted to be on that side tonight,
3: um, <laughs> but you literally have bred religion out of the independence? You have no idea. You've actually, doing, right? You've got no clue. You've actually spoken about Judaism. Abstention. Right?
6: This is all, This is an abstention. <laughs> uh, and I'll get to my abstention point in a few minutes.
8: But so you've actually spoken about it. You haven't actually read any of the commentary associated You said you've read the Bible, but you've not read any of the commentary associated with the Old Testament. Yet you're quoting the Old Testament. So everything you've just said on the Old Testament is absolute nonsense.
1: And it goes to the actual teachings of your parents. <laughs> I'm sorry. You no, know, I mean, that, that's better than that. No, i better than that. Okay. So. We're, we're, okay, we're, okay. okay
0: Guys, first and every time, I'll tell you, the left correct Continue. So <laughs> <I'll take it. laughs> <But, but, laughs> This is my actual point, my extension point, sorry that's just me
6: ranting. <laughs> it's
5: all very well and good saying that in today's 21st century we don't
10: need religion.
3: But you actually have to go back 2, 3, 4, 5,000 years and think what the state of society was then. Okay, And think, well actually the reason why we've got religion now is because of what was going on then. Who in this room has heard of a festival called Right. Who wants to, do you three know about it? I
7: know you yeah, do, yeah. so no you yeah. uh, <laughs> Well, I speak to you, but I no get
0: okay, to no
3: you. <laughs> uh, but the bottom line is that that is what was going on pre-religion. We had a week where we could go around freaking people for fun. That's what life was like pre-religion. So again, yeah, it might have been twisted and contorted and used as a weapon for politics. And that is the way in which a lot of the things have happened even nowadays, and it has. But the actual essence of religion and the way it was meant to be was meant to be quite a neutral point. That's my abstention. Oh, that no! Nice. Slipped
0: it in right at the end there. OK, right, we're going to have I respond to
2: the
7: opposition and I responsible to the
0: opposition. So, why, please,
7: please? Quiet. Yeah, um, I just yeah. There's there's yeah. Rape in there's rape in religion there's rape in, I don't see your, your point about uh, saturnalia I I just really don't see that point. I'm sorry, but like if it's if it's if it's moral. If it's moral in, just, it's nonsensical in my eyes. <laughs> sorry,
0: okay. sorry, I just
2: Thanks very
0: much. Ali Craig, he's talking on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A point from the opposition do something
6: mm-hmm. Well, Craig, oh sorry. I mean, I should of course agree with um, what proposition said at the beginning that just because one person does something bad, it doesn't necessarily mean that if another person does something or the same bad thing that automatically the source person or the religious of doing bad things. We do however think that um, none of the that for example is not inherent in all religions.
0: Thank you very much. Okay. Because do we have one brief point of abstention, an actual abstention this time of your right. own personal opinions? Anything that we have missed? <laughs> A lot of
4: them. Yes and the beautiful um, <laughs> okay. um I Saying that raising a child of religion is child of abuse, that's quite a serious um, allegation to me. and it's usually taken it very seriously. You know, children are taken off their parents and or are put in prison. So I'm sort of I suppose you haven't really addressed what you think the consequences if this is abuse, what should actually happen to parents.
9: Okay, thank
0: you. Yeah.
4: Well,
9: yeah, abuse is a strong word. It's just a way to make think the parents the way. Yeah. Parents. Why are you to, to
2: me?
9: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just a way. Putting the word abuse is just a way to make parents think differently how to teach their religion. But abuse is also a lot of different things, and it's not always the case. In the sense, in the legal sense of, like, sexually sexual abuse and other things like that. Okay. Thank you. I
0: think it was correct. Maybe. Okay. Okay, thank you very much uh, for that bit. Um, There's
3: another on the roof. One more round of questions, don't you? It
0: sure. so, okay, I was, I was going to say finish at the bar because it's getting on. Okay, Right. one more. Right. Does anybody have any questions for the proposition? This? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely.
1: Yes, uh, the problem is likes about morality, and you spoke about code law and how our laws are set in stone and they will gauge what's right and what's wrong. And the first prop spoke about how contextual morality is absolute nonsense. So, what do you go for? Do you go for Kantian absolutism or would you go for Christian virtue morality? How would you set out what is moral and what is not? Without the years of our Christian morality, which has set in today's morality and what is good and what
7: is bad. Thank you very much. Sorry, I, I think we're sort of straying a wee bit from the topic to <coughs> what morality is and where we get morality from, as opposed to this side believes that religion is abuse. I've already outlined where where I think we get morality th- from, and I'd only be repeating myself if I if I said it again. Can't say anything I don't already have. Sorry.
0: I'll put it works. Thanks very
5: much. Um, do we have a question for the opposition? These lovely guys? Yes, Kerry. First of all, actually, I just want to say I think it makes um, the, the final speak for the proposition. I think if that isn't a display of symptoms of abuse, I don't know what is. <laughs> um, but um, very, very quickly, it's a two-part, and I will be very brief about the present. Um, I, th- I think if we are going to uh, talk about what's the views of children and in this sort of broad term, um, we have to think of the education of children as the, the quality of the next generation. So, the two parts. One, can you name me uh, an, a moral action that a religious person can perform that a non-religious person could not? And secondly, can you think of a, a moral action that could be committed by a non-religious person. That could also, sorry, that could be committed by um, a religious person. That could not also be committed by a non-religious one. Yes. Okay. Uh,
6: Same answer to both questions. No. Same answer to both questions. No, I think both religious and non-religious uh, persons can have is enough to do all kinds of moral or immoral
5: actions. Okay. Thank
0: you very much. Okay. One last point kind of abstention. Yes, Jim. Most of
6: the discussion tonight has been around religions that are prominent in the West, but it's more directed towards the proposition. Uh, but what would, would they say raising a child with Jainism, which is a religion that emphasises non-violence, uh, non-materialism, and open-mindedness, would they consider that to be child abuse. Yes, <laughs> Gina,
7: yes <laughs> uh, are you? A, a bit. Okay. <laughs> so uh, Jainism has all sorts of. I'm sorry. i here. It was great.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
7: So, um, Jainism has all sorts of, of dogmas and stuff attached to it, um, including including stuff like they'll they'll cover their mouths so that they don't even eat a fly while they're walking along, they'll not go out at night so they don't even trample on grass. Now, with Jainism, I admit it may be a lot harder to do, I I don't know the, the faith that much, but... What we're talking about is religion as a whole, and we've targeted the main religion. Jainism is a very, very small religion. And I'm sure you can probably find some religion somewhere that doesn't have a cart-and-stick mentality. I just don't know it. I don't think Jainism does. (laughs)
0: Okay, thank you very much. as I was going to say, okay, before we go to a vote, that's our uh, question finished. But uh, you can finish in the bar. We're we'll going to the highest bar to last on through. Um, after this here, so people will sort of be guiding you up there if you all want to come. I know it's assignment time, exam time, but you can come for one through. Anyway, uh, okay, so we're going to go to a vote. So the first vote is based on your on your personal opinion. So everyone can vote in this here. So if you if you believe the proposition side of the motion, and you believe that this house what is it? this house believes raising. Children, yeah. raising children with religion is child abuse. Thank you very much. I've said it wrong. Okay. If you agree that raising children with religion is child abuse, please raise your hand and say
2: aye. So, so okay. Only opinion. It's personal. personal
0: opinion. Personal opinion on. Personal opinion. Personal opinion on the motion. Hands, nice high place. Raise your hand if you agree with proposition seven, sure. motion. <laughs> <it's, it's, laughs> <it's, it's,
3: laughs> 15 my mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Yeah, congrats And if you agree with the opposition and think that... Don't think that raising children with children <laughs> no. is child abuse <laughs> It's one of our longer motions of the year
3: 23? <laughs> yes!
0: And all of those who would like to abstain the motion or don't have any personal opinions Shush.
10: Nine, my friend.
0: Okay, and this this vote this vote is the one that's that's binding for our minutes, and the the it will sort of take a personal view, even though we don't. Okay, so this is based on speaker ability. So, um, all those who have your nice shiny membership cards. For the last debate of the year, all those who have your nice shiny membership (laughs) cards. (laughs) Drunk, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. For those of you who think the proposition spoke better tonight, please raise your membership card and say Aye. aye.
2: aye. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sleep the <to> candles. <laughs>
3: 21. 21, Twenty.
0: Twenty one. Twenty Craig would agree there. And all of those who think the opposition spoke better this evening, please, please raise your hand and say, oh. nay. <laughs> no! You literally just said that. <laughs> no, not you. <laughs> and all those who like to abstain or think that they spoke equally good or equally rubbish, please raise your hand and say, okay. <laughs> 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 okay, I think the rest of opposition won bit. debate. <laughs> <Proposition. laughs> Before will all leave, standard members and council members, <laughs> um, roll in the House Bar afterwards so please join us for a break for night's Thank you very much for being such valued members this year, all leave. Um, and we will see you next year.
2: This is my morning shower and I forgot to do it, I did it and now it's it. So.